Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. As we enter this new year, our theme for the year is Catch the Wind. Our desire is that through this year, each of us would live completely reliant on the Holy Spirit and will follow him wherever he leads us. We have Jeren Nicholas share God's word with us today on how reconciliation is an outcome of catching the wind. In Jesus, each of us are reconciled to God and we in turn have the incredible duty to bring reconciliation in the spaces that God has placed us in. Let's listen in to what God has to speak to us today. Hello everybody. It is wonderful to be back with all of you again. Um so we are continuing with our series on catch the wind so the holy spirit is the focus but the holy spirit um along different topics that we've talked about so today our focus is going to be um the idea of reconciliation so uh before i go ahead and start i want to say a word of prayer and then we'll begin okay um heavenly father we thank you so much for giving us this time to gather together lord thank you that Uh, no matter where we are no matter where we're seated the one thing that connects all of us is you so father we ask that you would speak to us that uh, you would give us wisdom as we approach this uh, topic this idea of reconciliation lord father we know that uh, you're a god of reconciliation because you have reconciled us to you lord uh, father it is many times a difficult thing to speak about It is a difficult process to go through, Lord, but it's something that you have called us to. So, as we talk about it, as we um scratch the surface of this uh, vast and deep and difficult thing, we ask that you would give us wisdom on how it applies to us and how we are to take part in reconciliation and how and that you would remind us that you are present with us, that your holy spirit lives in us to give us the strength to reconcile in every area that you call us to Lord. So Father, um helping to be obedient to what uh, you have to say, give me the words to speak. And uh we ask that uh, you would uh speak to us and minister to us, minister to us uh, today. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So, um as I just mentioned, uh we are going to be talking about uh the topic of reconciliation today and we're going to be doing that by looking at a couple of passages in the gospel of Matthew um but before we get started um reconciliation the way we're talking about it is uh focused on repairing or restoring really um broken relationships and that's kind of the context of what that's kind of the meaning of reconciliation that we're talking about right now it is restoring a broken relationship a relationship meaning two parties were involved and there has been some kind of um event or something has happened that has caused the relationship to be broken and reconciliation is restoring that brokenness in that relationship so reconciliation is a very difficult thing just to start out with that's where i'm going to start it is a very difficult thing it is just not a difficult process difficult topic to talk about it is a difficult thing to go through um it looks different for every it looks different for everyone uh, based on 
whatever the situation is, whatever the relationship is that was affected, reconciliation looks different for everyone. So I really cannot do justice to this vast, deep, broad topic in a 30-minute message, right? Uh, however, we can scratch the surface of it. So that is what we're going to try and attempt to do. We're going to scratch the surface of reconciliation today. Um, the reason, one of the many reasons that it is almost impossible to deal with in a one message is because reconciliation has so many nuances to it. Um, the fact that two parties are always involved adds to that. Um, you may be, you may want to reconcile a broken relationship. Uh, however, if the second party does not wish to go through that process of reconciliation with you, uh, there is a block right there. So there are so many different nuances to the varied life circumstances that uh, we go through. Uh, so that is one of the reasons that it makes it so difficult to cover in a single setting. But just want to put that out there. This is going to be, it's difficult to talk about and more so difficult to walk through. Uh, but it is something that God has called all his followers to do, is to reconcile our broken relationships. Um, so that's why we are going to attempt to scratch the surface, um, begin to talk about it and what it might entail. So um, the two passages we're going to talk about are found in Matthew 18 and then in Matthew chapter 5. Um, reconciliation, sorry. So we've talked about reconciliation, meaning restoring a broken relationship, right? So broken relationships almost always stem from <clears throat> something that's happened, an offense or <clears throat> sin or an action that was unjust uh, on part of both parties or a single or one party and has caused some kind of brokenness. So because this some pretty much something wrong happened or someone was wronged and so there was so the relationship was broken so in this process of reconciliation or this process of restoration there is the first place to start would be forgiveness forgiveness would always be the starting point for reconciliation now reconciliation and forgiveness are not one and the same Forgiveness is a starting point of reconciliation, but they are not synonymous. <clears throat> so we can choose to seek forgiveness, but never choose to reconcile a broken relationships. So forgiveness is always the starting point or the beginning of the process, but it is not the entirety of that process itself. Forgiveness and reconciliation, two different things. Um, However, forgiveness is part, can be part, or is definitely part of the reconciliation process. And many times, uh, or almost always, that's where we start. We start with forgiveness. So that's the first thing we're going to talk about today. So the passage we're looking at is Matthew chapter 18, and it is verses 21 all the way to 35. Okay, So the two kind of sections to this passage. The first couple of verses is an exchange or a dialogue between Peter and Jesus. And after this exchange, Peter goes in, sorry, forgive me. Jesus goes into a parable. He tells them a parable. And uh, so we're going to read from 25 to 35. So Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 35 in the NIV. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, 
How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you, will treat each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So, so everything, I mean, you read the whole passage, everything's going smoothly, and then all of a sudden, there's almost like this harsh saying from Jesus, right? So this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Forgiveness is important to Jesus, and we're kind of going to find out how important as we unpack these things. So, in the beginning, the exchange between uh, Peter and Jesus. So, Peter comes and says, how many times should I forgive? Up to seven times. And Jesus says, no, 77 times. Or some of your translations might say 77 times seven. Uh, So, what's happening, right? So, Peter really believes that he is coming and putting forth a very generous number of up to seven times. He believes he is being very generous because from some sources I've read, uh, the idea is that the Jewish or rabbinic teaching at that time uh, was you forgive somebody three times for the same repeated offense, but the fourth time you are not required to forgive. Uh, So here Peter believes that he's saying seven, which is four times four more than three, which what is what he feels that he might be required from what he may have heard in synagogues. So he feels as though he's being generous. But Jesus turns back and says, no, up to 77 times. Or some of your translations might say 77 times seven. So what is happening? Is Jesus just uh, pretty much pushing the limit a little bit higher than what Peter expressed? Uh, is it some kind of special number that you may have heard at some point or the other, what is happening. So it's quite simply this expression of 77 times or 77 times 7 
is an expression that just states that forgive without limits. And so what Jesus is kind of saying is, Peter, your question is misconceived from the very beginning. Uh, there is no limit set. We are to forgive without limits. So there is no, after a certain time, you are no longer required to forgive. So Jesus's take on this is, you are to forgive without limits. Please forgive. Do not place any limits on your forgiveness. Uh, do not place any numerical value in how many times you are able to forgive. Forgive without limits. So that's what's happening here. So Peter feels like he's being generous, but Jesus turns it on its head and says, you may think you're being generous, but even stating a number is just not the right way to look at it. Forgive without limits. So after he talks about forgiveness or forgive without limit, he goes on to this parable. So what's happening in the parable? Okay, so there are three set scenes in the parable. So the first scene is there's a master, or in some cases your translations might say king, um, that is there. He is wanting to settle his accounts. So he is calling into account everyone who owes him money. So a person who owes him 10,000 bags of gold, it says, or your translations might say um, 10,000 talents. Um, so what is this number? This number is pretty much, uh, and the best way to put it is it is an astronomically large amount of money. It is a huge, huge amount of money. So 10,000 talents or 10,000 bags of gold. Um, if you look at the other parables, like the, uh, the parable of the vineyard workers and stuff where their daily wage was one denarius for a full day's wage. So if you think of one denarius for and for a day's labor, uh, and if you hold that as your, if that is, if we keep that as an example for pay, right? It would take a daily wage worker uh, 165,000 years or almost between that and 200,000 years to repay a debt such as 10,000 talents. So it is in modern day language, we could just call it as billions and billions of dollars or billions and billions of rupees. Uh, the idea here is hyperbole, it's exaggeration. So Jesus is conveying the idea that this is a debt that he possibly could not repay. So there was no way he could pay back this debt. That is what this is trying to convey. It is a large sum. So here is a master who is, who is, represents God. Um, and a servant is coming and he is held to account and he says, you can't pay, so I'm going to put you in prison, and I mean, I'm going to sell you and your wife and everything. And then he pleads and has for time to repay it. He falls on his knees, and then what the king does or what God does is he forgives the debt, this absolute humongous debt that he could really never really pay on his own is forgiven. So there is so here is an image of God forgiving us of our sins, uh, sins, I mean, forgiveness of our debt, our sin, something that we could never pay back, something that we could never pay enough to get out of. Um, so it is 
really an image of his mercy and of his grace of how much we have been forgiven, right? How much we have been forgiven. Um, we could really do nothing to earn any of that forgiveness because just like this parable expresses, it was something that really could not have been paid back by the servant. We um, could not do anything to even erase or take care of a little bit of the smudge of sin on our lives, but God did everything. He paid it all. He canceled that debt of sin. So it is a picture of his grace and mercy on our lives and how, and a picture of how much we have been forgiven. Okay. So that is scene one. And then scene two, this person who, this servant who has just been forgiven of so much, just been forgiven of an astronomically big amount, walks out of that scene into the next scene where he sees one of his servants who owes him money. The amount he owes is a hundred denarii, which is pretty much uh, looking at again, one denarius for a day as um, a laborer. It's about four months salary. So the person who had just been forgiven of an unthinkable amount of money um, is faced with a situation where his servant owes him four months salary and uh, he has a very uh, harsh response. He starts to choke him and says, you need to pay it. And then the servant asks him the same thing that he asked his master. It says that um, he fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. The exact same words that he used with the king, right? His servant is asking him, be patient with me. On his knees, he's pleading and I will pay it back. But what does he do? He holds him accountable, does not give him time or forgive the debt. And he has him thrown in prison until the debt can be paid. So he acted very much different to what had just been given to him. And then when all the other servants find out, they are outraged. They're like, how could this happen? You have just, maybe they knew what had just happened, right? He had just been thinking of so much, but you are holding this accountable. So they go to the master and they go to the king. And when the king finds out, he is outraged as well. He calls back the first servant. He pretty much holds him accountable for his action. He tells him that I forgive you of so much. How could you not show pretty much the same kindness to this person? And then so he almost reinstates that debt, right? And then he puts him in prison and says that he's going to be tortured until that debt is paid. Um, so what is happening, right? So here's where we need to keep in mind that parables don't necessarily mirror reality. Um, that they are for the purpose of teaching. So Jesus uses them. I mean, this is an analogy that Jesus used. Um, so um, we know that the master and the king represent God, but that doesn't mean that God has torturers, right? For people who've don't want to forgive other people. So God doesn't have tortures. Um, but I think it does convey um, how important that forgiveness is for God. Because the moment that servant <clears throat> is brought back before the king 
And <clears throat> the king realizes that even though he was forgiven, he chose not to forgive. He is held accountable for that. Um, so that is one thing that we can get from this, that he was held accountable for <clears throat> not showing the forgiveness that he was shown. And then Jesus ends up saying that this is how my heavenly father will treat you. Uh, if you choose not to, if you will treat you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters, um, kind of reminds us of uh, the words of the Lord's prayer, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So it just, re this parable in its uh, uh, hyperbole and everything that happens in the different scenes is emphasizing um, our call to forgive others as um, followers of Jesus, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to forgive. And we are to be very, very generous in our forgiveness because we have been forgiven of, of so much that we cannot fathom how much we have been forgiven because a debt that we could never pay was canceled and paid for us uh, by Jesus so that we could be reconciled to God, right? So one, we are to forgive without limits. Two, we are to be very generous with our forgiveness. We are to forgive. God has called us to forgive. This does not mean forgiveness is easy, right? Um, even from the parable, the person that experienced the most forgiveness found it difficult to forgive something much smaller. Uh, however, uh, even though it is difficult, we have the Holy Spirit to help. The Holy Spirit lives in us to strengthen us, right? To convict us when there needs to be forgiveness, uh, <clears throat> when we need to seek forgiveness or when we need to forgive something. He is there to lead us, to guide us, to convict us when conviction is necessary and really to give us the strength to do this difficult thing. There might be very difficult circumstances in your life where you have, you may still be harboring some kind of unforgiveness towards a person uh, because of something maybe very cruel that's been done to you. Uh, even in those difficult things, we are called to forgive. As difficult as that might sound hearing that from me or hearing that from, from scripture, the picture that is painted here is that God is calling us. He's leading us. He's beckoning us to be generous with our forgiveness as he has been generous towards us. As he has canceled this debt that we could not pay, he is calling us to forgive others um, or even seek forgiveness. So we are to forgive without limits and we are to be generous in our forgiveness. And fortunately, as Christians, we have somebody who can help. This is not something that we have to rely on our own strength for, but we have the Spirit. We have God's Spirit who is in us, who is there to help us every step, every step of the way, who is there to provide us with the strength and the courage to do that. We had a very, we had a situation with my son just a couple of days ago where uh, he did something that was not right. 
And <clears throat> when we talked about it, um, we told him, I mean, we talked about it and we talked about how because he lied, we have to make it right. And the way we make it right is we admit the wrong we did and then we go and ask for forgiveness. Um, but it was an example to me of how difficult forgive asking or seeking forgiveness might really be because it was very difficult for him. He wanted us to be there um, so that there was some kind of comfort. So we had to constantly remind him that he has the Holy Spirit that gives him strength. So if anything you remember, I hope you remember the fact that the Holy Spirit is with you to give you strength to forgive. So, because it can be difficult. So we've talked about forgiveness. Now we're moving on to the next passage. Okay, that passage is found in Matthew chapter 5. And it is Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. It comes right after Jesus talks about uh, murder, where he kind of talks about um, the law says, do not murder, but I tell you, even if you're angry. So he is kind of, this is coming after the passage where he is uh, um, talking about the law says this, but it's your motives and uh, anger matter. So this is so after that, he goes on to say this. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So seems simple enough. Jesus is saying that if you're going to offer a gift or a sacrifice, uh, but then while you're doing that, you are reminded that uh, things are not right with the particular person, a brother or sister, leave things there, go make it right, come back. Simple enough, right? How many times have we left something in the middle to go do something and come back? Uh, but it is a bit more difficult than that. So when Jesus is saying this, this is part of his Galilean ministry. As then he is in Galilee when he's saying this, so he's talking to the people of Galilee. If a person from Galilee was to go give a sacrifice or a gift, they were at the altar that there's only one place you can do that, which is Jerusalem. So they would have to walk from Galilee to the temple in Jerusalem, which is about 80 miles. I think that's about 125, 26 kilometers. Okay. So by foot or by mule or donkey, or let's just say by foot, a considerable distance to walk. Uh, yeah. A multiple day journey, right? To go. So, so you say you left Galilee to go give a gift at the altar. And then you are reminded that uh, you have you, that your relationship with somebody is broken or not right. And you are to reconcile with them. Right? So if it is your brother or sister, very likely, almost always they are in Galilee, right? That's where your family is. So they live in Galilee. So you are to leave your gift there and then travel back to Galilee to reconcile and then come back. So, if we work this out, it is one trip from Galilee to Jerusalem before you're reminded, then a trip back, and then a trip back to finish what you came to start with, which is offer the gift, right? So a lot of back and forths, uh, hundreds of kilometers. So again, remember, 
it is does not mirror reality, but it is an analogy. So what is Jesus saying here? Why is he really setting a limit on how far you can travel uh, to reconcile? Is it only uh, 125 kilometers? Is it only an 80 mile radius? Uh, no, he's saying, he's saying go to great lengths to reconcile, even if that means that <clears throat> you came from Galilee to offer a sacrifice, but you are reminded that there is a broken relationship and you need to reconcile that first, go to great lengths. It means go walk back to Galilee, do it, and come back and offer your sacrifice. So we go to, he's calling us to go to great lengths to reconcile our relationships, to reconcile with a brother or a sister, uh, to reconcile broken relationships in our lives, right? So, so we started talking about um, forgiveness and then we just land a little bit on reconciliation. In both of these things, God is calling us to forgive without limits and God is calling us to go to great lengths to seek reconciliation in broken relationships. Um, uh, a little caveat here. Um, reconciliation will look different uh, for different people. Um, in when we talk about in terms of abuse, um, I think that um, the God will, Holy Spirit will provide strength for forgiveness, but there may not really be um, any kind of reconciliation with your abuser. So um, there probably there are extreme difficult situations where you may say that reconciliation may not be possible just because uh, of what had happened in that relationship in the past. So in, in, so I'm sure, so abuse kind of falls under that circumstance, but even in those very difficult, painful situations that no one should be subject to, um, forgiveness is still possible. Uh, as difficult as it may seem, in those difficult situations, forgiveness is possible. So God is calling us to forgive. God is calling us to reconcile. But it is not something that we do on our own strength. He's calling us to these difficult, difficult things. He's calling us to do these extremely hard things because we have the Holy Spirit in us who is going to strengthen us and give us the bravery to do it. So how do we, like we said, we're just scratching the surface, right? There's no multiple steps I'm going to lay out. But in scratching the surface of this topic of reconciliation, how could we really move forward? So we've touched on the first part. Is One is forgive. Um, a relationship, there's two parties, right? We need two parties for a relationship. So for some a relationship to be fro broken, there has been some kind of hurt or sin or wrong that has happened, right? Or it can almost always go back to some kind of sin. Uh, but something wrong has happened and it has fractured the relationship and now it is broken. So we start first with forgiveness. You start by forgiving that person uh, that... Uh, has caused that did an action or said something that caused hurt, um, that caused uh, pain. So we start with forgiveness. We forgive 
that other party that is in the relationship. Now, the second step, which I think if forgiving somebody wasn't challenging enough, the second step is as challenging or more, depending on who you are, is we take responsibility for our role in that brokenness, in that fracture. Almost always a broken relationship um, happens because there was a role that both parties played. Again, this this does not apply to situations such as abuse. Uh, I'm, so this is not what I'm talking about in terms of both parties are responsible, right? Um, so both parties have some kind of role to play in this fracture that's happened, in this relationship being broken. So after you forgive, um, you can take responsibility for your part in what occurred, what happened. Um, and one of the biggest ways that, or we take responsibility for our actions is seeking forgiveness for our role in what happened. Seeking forgiveness in whatever initial um, thing happened, fight, words, actions, um, whatever happened, we take responsibility for our part and we seek forgiveness for that part that we played. Uh, this is not uh, any kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, us seeking forgiveness is not conditional on them seeking forgiveness or forgiving. Us seeking forgiveness is us taking responsibility for the role that we had to play and then seeking forgiveness of that, acknowledging that what we did was not right and acknowledging that we have to repent for what we did and as part of that repentance, seeking forgiveness. So very difficult things to do. Much easier said than done in a 30-40 minute message but so much more difficult to walk out in real life. But like we mentioned before, we have the Holy Spirit to help us, right? He is constant. He is our counselor. He is our guide. He is our encourager. He is everything we need to do difficult, hard things like this, right? So as we wrap up, um, God is calling us to reconcile. God, and the way we start that is by forgiving without limits and being generous as God has been generous to us in our forgiveness. And then as we step forward in that reconciliation process, after we have, after we have forgiven that person, then we take responsibility for our part in it. And the main way we take responsibility is we seek forgiveness from the other party for the things that we have done, for the things that we will be held accountable for. As we contemplate this idea of forgiveness and reconciliation, I think it is only right that uh, we begin to pray about this and seek God ensuring us areas in which one, we can forgive and two, we can seek reconciliation. I I am certain 
that not every single relationship in your life is picture perfect, right? Every single relationship in my life is not perfect. It is very easy for me, even now as I'm speaking to you, in my mind to think about all the relationships that need reconciliation. <clears throat> some that are not close, and but some that are very close. So in response to what you've heard today, I think it is only right that we seek God and have him highlight areas in our life, relationships in our life where we can begin the reconciliation process, right? It will look different for everyone, but that is an exercise that we can all take part in. And God will give us the strength. He'll give us the wisdom. He has already given us the Holy Spirit that lives in us to help us walk this journey. So you have the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into truth. He will show you the people uh, that he's calling you right now to reconcile with. He will give you the strength to forgive and he will give you the courage uh, and how much of a bravery you feel is necessary to move forward in reconciliation and by that first thing meaning seeking forgiveness from that person and uh, we are always here to help if uh, to help you walk through this so we as church are here to help you in any way that we can so if you need to talk to us about a particular situation or relationship that you want to seek reconciliation in, but you just don't know how to go about it, we are there to help. So you can always reach out to us. But just to recap, we are being called to forgive. We are being called to reconcile uh, the broken relationships in our lives. And God has given us the Holy Spirit that will enable us to move forward in these difficult, hard things to do. So let's go do the hard thing and forgive and reconcile because we have the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing to our focus uh, your call to forgive and your call to reconcile, Lord. Father, these are difficult things. Uh, speaking about them doesn't make them any less difficult, Lord. But Father, we know that you have called us to do these hard things, Lord, as part of following you, as part of uh, reflecting your character, as part of, as part, as part of being a bearers of your image, Lord. You have called us to do this difficult thing of forgiving people and reconciling the broken relationships in our life. So Father, give us the strength. Help us to know that we have the Holy Spirit who is constantly with us, who is ready to give us the strength to do these things. So Father, bring to our minds the people that we need to reconcile with. Bring to our minds the areas we are harboring unforgiveness so we can forgive those people. Lord. Bring to our mind these things, Lord, so that when we can be healed, Lord, and two, we can move forward in reconciliation. So Lord, we humbly ask you, Lord, we, and we humbly tell you, Lord, we just sometimes don't feel like we have the strength to do these hard things. But even in that, we acknowledge that you have given us the strength by your spirit. So help us to do these difficult things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.